This is a Federal News Network podcast. Five or six years ago, we were doing a lot of experimentation in the cloud, just trying things out. There was a lot of skepticism. Right, we had a lot of security things to go through, um, a lot of culture change to, to look at. Getting people to just understand the technology uh, was a big hurdle several years ago, and we have drastically over, overcome that. We started experimentation with things like Office 365, as you mentioned, with public websites to start to lay the foundation. And that triggered our old office, POEIS, now PO Digital, to start to lay out the policy to standardize what we're doing. A couple of years ago, prior, as you mentioned, the Navy RP move, we had a lot to do with our network. Uh, we were organized in our enterprise network to be an intranet, right? We were using late 90s technology to consume services within the Navy. And the shift to cloud, uh, we weren't ready for that. And so we have had to re-architect our network to be internet-based as opposed to intranet-based. And Navy RP was the driving factor behind that. We had to do a lot to make sure we had bandwidth and routing correctly. And we've done a lot to continue to expand our cloud connectivity um, at all of our major sites, which we have now achieved. And we are now at a point where we can get to velocity migrations for our Office 365 suite and, and kind of pave that highway to get all of our applications uh, to the cloud as well. You mentioned skepticism in those earlier days. Talk a bit more about where that skepticism came from, why people were skeptical, and, and how you overcame it. Sure. So I'm mean, even myself, I was skeptical uh, when, when I was looking at things. Uh, some of the early cloud offerings required things like trust relationships between our directories. And those are things that we just weren't going to allow. And so we had to actually work with a lot of the cloud providers to get their services to a point to where the DOD would accept the solutions, things like removing trust, right? That seven years ago, we were talking about zero trust, even though it wasn't zero trust. And so that was one thing, but then also looking at, you know, how do you really decouple the infrastructure from the services? How do you trust somebody else to manage the fabric for you? And you can trust what's happening on top of that. So a lot of that was gone. Uh, FedRAMP was part of that. Uh, the DOD's process for the information impact levels. So it was really across the board. It was policymakers, it was authorizers, and it was the technologists that were planning to use those capabilities. And so how we overcame it was just a lot of technical conversations, sitting down with vendors, sitting down with application owners, and walking through, doing lots of deep dives, doing cybersecurity tabletops, and actually walking through, here's the threat, here's how we would respond, here's what is the cloud provider's responsibility, and here's what is Navy's responsibility. The, the network piece of this, I think, is so important. You mentioned the difference between having an intranet and an internet. H how much did Navy ERP actually get you there? Because I, I, I do remember there was a message toward the beginning of COVID that, that sort of indicated our network's still not at the point where we can support everybody working on teams from within NMCI. So I imagine COVID was a bit of a forcing function on that as well. It was. So uh, Captain McNeil is our program manager for Naval Enterprise Networks and also our uh, principal deputy for PO Digital. And he likes to use the terms cloud intolerant, cloud tolerant, and cloud native. And I would say prior to Navy RP, we were cloud intolerant. And Navy RP set the foundation to make us cloud tolerant, but it was just that. It, it was just a tolerant system, right? We could get connectivity, users could access the services, but maybe wasn't in the most efficient manner. We, we also had a, a concept we've been talking about for several years 
called Modern Service Delivery. And it's any person from any device can securely access services or data. And people didn't really understand what that meant because we were still thinking about security and network connectivity by having people on DOD networks. And so the pandemic forced us into a spot to where a large amount of our workforce actually had to work offsite. So we had laid the foundation of what it would look like to not rely on the DOD network. So we had a lot of that in place. And so when the pandemic hit us, the Navy was actually positioned very well to pivot and allow connectivity from off-prem. Uh, we were able to move some sites to be public facing and not require people to VPN into our network. So we had some VPN capacity issues that we overcame very rapidly. And so for the people that had a device and could actually connect into a VPN, we certainly increased that. Uh, and that was a big success for us. But we're still trying to pivot away from the reliance on VPN and being on uh, DoD networks. And the biggest area where we're doing that is within our Microsoft 365 endeavor where we're working with DoD CIO. I think that the entire 365 effort around Teams, mainly around the collaboration virtual environment CVR, showed the DoD what it looks like to not rely on the DoD network and started to paint that picture. And we started doing a lot of experimentation with US Cybercom, with DOD CIO. And we went through that skepticism process and we went through the detail of what it looks like to operate in that fashion long-term. And we're right at the point where we're gonna make this pivot off of CVR as a temporary solution into this end state of a fully compliant DOD environment that allows us to leverage commercial bandwidth directly from the internet and reduce that reliance and the impact uh, to overburden our network. Yeah, what's your sense of, of the the overall, back to your skepticism point, the, the, the overall impact that, you know, forcing people to work from home on things like CVR has had on that that skepticism, not just when it comes to things like telework specifically, but with cloud adoption more generally? Yeah, that's a great point. So Mr. Weiss, uh, Don CIO, had a, a, a vision last year before the pandemic when he first came on board that talked about uh, building the network, then moving to cloud and modernizing and innovating. And the pandemic forced us to switch those first two things. He calls it a shift left on cloud. And we are now moving more applications to the cloud, consuming SaaS offerings and looking at where we can take advantage of cloud native security and that direct internet access methodology. How, how much of, you know, you mentioned zero trust wasn't really zero trust six, seven years ago. How real is it now? We think it's real. Uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about reference architecture. The names are different. Uh, Forrester, Gartner, all these different uh, firms have different ways of calling it, but it's the same concepts. There's still a lot of product companies that sell zero trust, um, but it's really just pieces and parts. And so really, it's just all about data security and identity and We've been able to achieve that um, and, and get out of the reference architecture and kind of the concept. We did a lot of experimentation this past summer, and we actually believe that we've achieved our first real zero trust implementation within the Microsoft 365 suite, not just the office products that people think about, but it's the security services out of Azure, and it's the endpoint security that creates a holistic platform that allows us to interrogate all parts and have control over sessions and, and be able to label data uh, appropriately and get to that true zero trust state where we're focused on 
the identity, and we're focused on the data. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over two million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by Ask 
not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all, but is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've uh, led, this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.